Welcome to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Once again, it's Wednesday greetings and salutations here at Don't Box Me In. Let me start off today's show by asking, have you ever had one of those days where everything just seemed wrong? Maybe you slept through the alarm, were late for work, the car would not start. Maybe the boss gave you extra work with an unreasonable deadline. Possibly a loved one was causing you unnecessary stress and drama in your life. It's easy to get caught up and overwhelmed with the negative occurrences that life throws at you. But exactly how do you overcome these moments and turn your mindset to a more positive outlook? My guest today is going to help us shed some of our negative thinking habits and get on track to focusing on the things in life that bring joy and peace. Leah Carey is the Chief Miracle Officer for the Miracle Journal, where she shares the small and large miracles that happen in day-to-day life that most of us tend to overlook. She helps people to see what is already right in their life so they can have more fulfilling daily experience. I mean, if you're going to take a bite out of life, why not try to get the sweetest bite possible? It is with pleasure and a willingness to learn that I welcome Leah to the show today. Hi, Lana. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. Um, <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> so I was reading your website, and um, I see that this appreciation for life experiences um, has been something that you've grown into. And I think that most of the time, the general public uh, thinks that us inspirational, motivational speakers have always been, you know, happy, go, go lucky. The sun is always shining. So I think it's very important to show them that, you know, we've all evolved from somewhere. Um, so there was a time that you didn't always see the bright side of things. Uh, the first 30 years of your life, you struggled with the depression. Was there some sort of life occurrence that caused the shift in your thinking to start your Yeah, it's such an important question, um, such an important recognition for people. I I like how you set this up that, you know, a lot of people do think that, and I have fallen victim to this myself in the past, looking at teachers and at mentors and thinking, well, they've just got it all together, and it, it looks so easy for them. They probably have had a blessed life, or they just totally understood it from the beginning. And the truth is that, That's not the case. In fact, you know, both from my own experience and as I come into contact with more and more of the really important teachers, people who I believe are important teachers, what I'm learning is that every one of us has come from a background that included hurt or pain of some type, and it was in the healing from that that we came to understand that we have something to share um, and that's very much my story. Like you said, I spent a lot of years in depression, in varying degrees of depression, and um, it really got to the point where I had a hard time getting out of bed. I was a very high-functioning depressive in that, you know, I did really well in school, I had a successful career, but it was all really um, it wasn't because I was doing things I enjoyed. It was because I was trying to prove to the world that I deserved to be there. And the result was that it was really hard for me to get out of bed in the morning. I just dreaded each day. And um, so, it, and at the same time, I had come to learn about personal development very young. And so I thought, in order for me to get out of depression, I can't take any pills. I can't take any medication. I have to spiritualize my way out of it. I have to pray and meditate and clean out all the muck that's inside and make myself a better person by hook or by crook. That's the (laughs) only good way to do it. (laughs) And what I finally came to realize, um, I'm I'm sort of compressing the story, obviously, but the day came when I thought about throwing myself off the roof of a building, and that was a really new and really scary thought that really got my attention, and, 
you know, within a few days, I had gone to the doctor and I had gotten those pills, that medication. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that I had been too depressed before that to begin doing my spiritual work. As much as I had been torturing myself over not doing my work well enough to get out of depression, it was in fact the opposite. The depression was keeping me so so stuck and so frozen that I couldn't do anything to get out of it, and I needed something to break that cycle. So it's not like I come from a really happy-go-lucky background (laughs) to this miracle work, not by a long shot. Um, So what happened is that um, I, I took the medication, I got myself into a spiritual development program, which was the best thing I had ever done for myself in my life because I really began to be able to go inside and and really look at the stuff. Um, Once I was in a stable emotional place, I could really begin digging in. But I was still doing it from a place of believing there was something terribly wrong with me that needed to Mm -hmm. be fixed. And the life occurrence that you were asking about is that one morning I woke up and noticed that I had two speaking engagements um, scheduled for the same night a few weeks later. And I was horrified because I'm usually really good with my schedule and so careful. And um, so I saw that and I thought, oh God, what can I do? But I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to disappoint either of them. And so I thought, well, I'll deal with it a little bit later um, once I figure out what to do. And within a couple of hours, I had an email from one of those organizations, totally unprompted, got an email from one of them saying, we made a mistake when we booked you. Could you please change your booking with us to the following month? And that was when I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) if I get out of my own way, things are okay. True. that was that was really the moment. Um, it took me a while to figure out that that was the moment, but that was when I started paying attention to what was going right. There were eight days in a row where something really extraordinary happened each day, and every day I went onto Facebook and I said to my friends, "Hey guys, a miracle uh. just occurred," and <laughs> that was the switch for me when I began when I stopped focusing on what I thought was wrong with me that needed to be fixed and started focusing on what was already going right. That was the moment for me. You know, and you you bring up a fact that, you know, I'd like to say is also another uh, misconception is that you were, you know, highly functioning, very active in, you know, uh, you know, probably, you know, very competent in a, a lot of areas I think most people think depression or you know just kind of feeling bad or negative uh, are left exclusively to quote unquote maybe like the losers in life and you know right. that is such an that is such an illusion that you know most of the time the people who are suffering are the people that you know are carrying the most weight that are out there that seem to be holding it all together and you yeah. know I think you 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 provided an example of that um so when you um, came out or you started to realize, you know, like this was a miracle or whatever, you said you didn't recognize it right away. At what point did you say, hmm, you know, oh, wow, no, that was a good thing or that was a good thing. Uh, was it, uh, you said it wasn't immediate, but was it like a week later or? Yeah, you know, um, uh, that very first one happened on, um, it's a, it's an easy thing for me to remember and mark in time because it was New Year's Day, 2011. Oh. Um, so on January 1st, 2011, that remarkable thing happened where I, I saw the booking, I freaked out, <laughs> I said, there's nothing I can do because it's New Year's Day, and I let it go, and then the email came in. And I went immediately to Facebook because I was so stunned by it. Hey, guys, okay. the first miracle of the year just happened. The second day, some, I think I got two speaking engagements that I was not expecting. Both came in on the same day within a couple hours of each other. I went to Facebook again. Hey, guys, the next miracle of the year happened. Every day for eight days, something happened. And every day I went to Facebook and was just so astonished that all these things were happening because it was 
so different than anything I had ever noticed before. And that's, a, that's an important point. I don't think it's that these things had never happened before, but I had never noticed and acknowledged them before. So I started acknowledging them, and the more I acknowledged them, every time I went to Facebook, <laughs> I started getting more and more feedback from my friends. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's, there's something important going on here. Because not only is it, in, is it exciting to me, but it's inspiring other people as well. At the end of eight days, I was like, you know what, Facebook is great, but it's kind of ephemeral. You know, like things sort of, it, it's not a really good record. And what I need to start paying attention because something important is happening. I need to start making a real record of this so that I don't forget because I know that I go through uptimes and I go through downtimes. And I was afraid that if the next downtime came and I didn't have a record, that I would forget, that I would forget that there were miracles. And so I said, I'm going to start writing these more carefully. And that's when the blog started. And what is remarkable to me now is that I do still have uptimes and downtimes. I absolutely have hard days. But the hard days don't drag me back into that really sort of gray existence from before because I now have this practice and this whole foundation of miracles that helps keep me from being dragged back down. I may have a bad day, but it doesn't become a bad week and a bad month and a bad year. Understood. And, you know, um, just thinking, you would think by nature uh, as people we would instinctively want to be happy. You know, we would want to feel great and joyful. But it seems like as a a general rule of thumb, a lot of us get stuck in that, you know, woe is me and negative thinking. I mean, why why do you think it's so hard just to be happy? What is the struggle? (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that there are a bunch of answers to that. It's such a good question. First of all, we live in this incredibly busy society. We are all so... (laughs) flipping busy all of the time. And so it's really hard to sometimes just stop for a Mm -hmm. second and take a breath and say, you know what? Yes, I have to go grocery shopping. Yes, I have to take care of the laundry. I have to get the car fixed. I have to get to work. All of those things, I have to get the kids to school and whatever. But right now in this moment, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And just take a breath and say, I'm okay. And I, my life is okay right where I am. That's a really hard thing for a lot of people to remember to do because we're so busy and we're so focused on what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. So that's so, one piece of it. But I think there's a... I'm sorry? No, go ahead. I was waiting for the next piece. Oh, okay. I think there's a second piece of it that is equally and potentially more important which is that we are a culture of strivers. We are constantly striving for the next achievement, for the next um, accolade, for the next pat on the back, whether it's something where, you know, we finish something and we think, oh, God, I'm so glad that's done, and we pat ourselves on the back, or we're looking for that from someone else. And we're a society of perfectionists. (laughs) There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure around us. A lot of pressure around us. A lot of pressure. We very rarely stop to acknowledge ourselves for what we're doing midstream. We wait until the degree has been gotten or the, you know, the um, raise has come through or whatever in order to celebrate. We go out, we have a party for two hours, and then we go back to living our daily lives, and we start looking for the next achievement. It's very hard under those circumstances. It's a, it's a hard cycle to get out of. Um, yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with Leah Carey right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Lana Reed. 
Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. I am happy to be speaking with Leah Carey today. And before the break, we were talking about uh, why it's so hard to be uh, happy and, you know, society places on all these pressures on us to strive. And I want to um, ask, you know, before you had learned, you know, how to appreciate the little gems in life and you were struggling to kind of find your way, um, do you think, reflecting back on your own situation, were you easy to be around or, you know, how, how does a person who hasn't found how to appreciate life, what impact do they have on the people around them? Mm. Um, wow, what a good question. I think that there were days when I was okay. <laughs> there were a lot more days when I was not great. But, you know, you had mentioned earlier that um, that it, it's, we don't always recognize the people around us who are depressed because um, there are a lot of high-functioning depressives in the world. And I I know that when I talk to some, some people who were really close, who I was really close with, knew that I had a hard time. Obviously, my family knew, <laughs> um, and my close friends did. But there are a lot of people in the world who thought that I was on top of my game, you know, who thought I had it all together. And I put a really good face on it. And then I went home and collapsed and just totally, you know, lost it at the end of the day. And so I think that's a good question because I think everybody who lives in that sort of in-between zone, whether it's full-blown depression or, you know, I talk about it as like I had my black period, which is when I was in really serious depression but still functioning. And then I got on the medication and I went into my gray period, which is when I was emotionally stable, but still searching, still feeling like there was something wrong with me. And then I started the miracle journal and it was like my whole life just burst into vital, vivid color. And I think there are so many people who are living in that gray zone And it's a hard place to be because it's not like, you know, people can look at you and say, you're fine. What are you complaining about? You have a job. You have a family. You have a house. Stop complaining. Just, you know, feel grateful for what you have. But when there's still that internal yearning, Mm -hmm. it's it's not that easy. It's it's not enough to just say, oh, well, I I should be happy. There's so many people. I hear this so often. I'm so lucky. I have so much, so I should just be happy. But underlying that is this very clear message, but I'm not happy. And to just say you should be doesn't really address that inner yearning, that yearning that says, I really think that there's more to life, and I really think that I have a more important place or, Mm. um, or... I I could be experiencing more joy. That yeah, I, I mean, think is I, the great yearning. I think part of that, you know, we are we are here for a reason and so many of us falter and struggle to find what reason it is and that might contribute to this this feeling of not appreciation not appreciating where we're at right now. Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, I agree with you. I think everybody has some some purpose and it may be that some people's purpose is to be here and learn that they are capable of surviving difficulty mm-hmm. you know that is a it's a hard lesson to learn but but that may be what some people are here for and i have to you know i have to be willing to support them in that in in saying, yeah, you know what, this what what you're going through is really stinky. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm using that word because I don't want to <laughs> use something stronger on the radio. <laughs> but you know, sometimes life doesn't go the way we want it to, and that really hurts. And you are strong enough, and I see that you're strong enough, and I believe in you to take the next step. And, and, you know, sometimes that's really a key element, having somebody there to say, you know, you know, I'm going to stand up with you and I believe in you, um, having some sort of support system. Um, but back to this time and before I move on, you, you mentioned on your website uh, that you were looking for this silver bullet to kind of fix everything. Yeah. What 
What what is a silver bullet? What what do people have in their lives that they consider to be silver bullets? Hmm. Well, for me, um, what it looked like was this. I had, I grew up in an alcoholic family. My father was an alcoholic. Um, it was a big secret, mm-hmm. and um, so I, when I was in high school, I went to boarding school, and I finally got to an Al-Anon meeting, mm-hmm. and um, and. So Al-Anon was not a great fit for me at the time, but I took one really important concept away from it. And I say important in in quotes because it was a complete misconception of what they were saying. But what I took away from it was that alcoholics hit rock bottom. They have this moment where they hit rock bottom and they have their moment of enlightenment where they know suddenly that they can't do this anymore they see the world as it's really, you know, they see God mm-hmm. or whatever it is. They have their enlightenment, and then they get better. Mm. Obviously, a real destination <laughs> of what they were actually saying, but in my uh, teenage mind, that's how I heard it. And so that's I what I heard. Next, <laughs> I spent the next 20 years waiting for my moment of enlightenment, waiting oh. to hit rock bottom. And in fact, in those depressive years, not getting myself the help that I knew that I needed because I thought if I get help, it will keep me from hitting rock bottom. Mm -hmm. It will lift me up just a little bit so I'll never hit rock bottom. I'll never have my moment enlightenment. I'll never see God. Mm-hmm. And then my my idea was that once I had my moment of enlightenment, my life would become perfect and I wouldn't have to work at it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have to struggle. I wouldn't have to you know, go digging deep inside to figure out what was there and why it hurt, it would just get better because I would have seen God. Well, that is Boy, not you what they mean. <laughs> Boy, you were in for some surprises. You were in for some surprises. I was, but that was what I, that was, I held such a strong belief that that's what was supposed to come. <laughs> and that was my silver bullet that I waited and I, I waited for so long. Oh, okay. <laughs> Too long. You could have been happy and healthy a long time ago, but you know. But we're happy you are where you're at now. Uh, we um we've been talking about uh, or mentioning along the way this concept of miracles. Can you explain exactly what a miracle is? Yeah. Well, um, can I explain exactly what it is? No. <laughs> um, but but I can tell you what it is. Me and the way that I use it, I use it in a sort of um, it, very non-religious way. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the spontaneous healing of tumors or walking on water or any of those things. Obviously, those things, if they happened, I would certainly call them miracles. But what I'm talking about are the little everyday things. The email that comes when I've made a mistake and fixes it for me, um, like I was talking about before, but, but that I think was one of those, those moments where something happens to get my attention. Because in truth, I think the miracles are even more every day than that. They are the conversation that I have in the grocery store with someone who makes me think about something in a new way or um, the, you know, going into work. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I work, I'm the only female in, a, I work as a journalist and um, everyone else in the newsroom is male. All of the other journalists and our editors are male. And um, so it's a really interesting atmosphere for me. Um, I learn a lot about, <laughs> about the difference between how males and females think. Uh-huh. And so they've taken to saying when I walk in the newsroom, um, my editors will say, oh, it's a miracle. Leah's here. (laughs) (laughs) And I take such joy from that because it's like I walk in the room and I have a a little bit of a positive effect, you know, Mm -hmm. just by Mm -hmm. my very presence. To me, that's a miracle. And I think it's that looking at your life, and seeing that little thing that can make you smile, mm-hmm. seeing that little thing that can make you happier than you were two minutes ago. It, it is those little things that make our lives better than they would have been had they not happened. Whether mm-hmm. it's 
finding a flower or a hug from a child or a big laugh with a friend or any of those little things, coming home and making a dinner that you love, those things that just fill you with an, a sense of inner happiness, those are the miracles. Those are the things that I think are so important. And like I said earlier, they've been happening to me my entire life. It's not that they just started happening on January 1st, 2011, but before that I had never noticed them because I hadn't taken the time. I hadn't taken the breath to notice them and to acknowledge them. I mean, and, and like you mentioned, you know, getting a hug from a child or, you know, a, a phone call from a friend, they're so common activities. What is it about that that we just overlook that all the time and focus on the fact that, you know, oh, God, I lost the car keys, you know? Right? And that's exactly <laughs> it. We're so focused. And, you know, again, I want to go back to this concept of what's right versus what's wrong. We spend most of our time in what's wrong mode and fixated really on mm-hmm. what's wrong. Where are the keys? I don't have enough food in the refrigerator. Um, you know, I have to do this project for work. We're constantly, in fact, if you think about the way we do schooling, mm-hmm. we send kids to school to read, write, and do arithmetic. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we teach them in, um, in math class? We teach them how to solve problems. Mm-hmm. What do we teach them in reading class? We teach It's the same thing. You know, we give them reading comprehension tests. Mm-hmm. You don't just read because you enjoy the story. You read because you're going to get tested. You have to solve mm-hmm. the problems. And you don't just do it because you enjoy learning, because you enjoy your friends in the class because it feels good to learn. You do it because in first grade you're getting prepared for second grade. In second grade you have to learn the skills to be in third grade. In third grade, etc. You have to learn to be in junior high school. In junior high school you're learning to be in high school. In high school you're learning to be in college. And make it, you take it even the next step, we're learning to problem solve. Through all of those years, we're solving the math problems, we're solving the science problems, we're doing the, math, the English reading, taking the tests, learning the history, and there are always really defined expectations of what is success. So we're solving the problems, we're being, um, we're being taught that that's how we go through life, by constantly striving for that next good grade, for that next achievement. We get out of college, and what happens? Suddenly, there's no clear marker anymore. It's not like we go to our first job, and they say, okay, at the end of the first month, you're going to take a test, and we're going to grade you on the test, and we're going to know whether you're doing a good job, and your pay will be determined. And then at the end of six months, those markers that we have learned um, to to measure ourselves by in school has suddenly disappeared. So now we're in the world learning how to solve problems. All but right. we no we're... longer have the, the structure. Okay, Ms. Leah. Yeah. Once I hold that, th- hold that thought. We're going to talk more about defined expectations right after this break. Let's return to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome, welcome back. I am with Leah Carey of the Miracle Journal, and I had to cut her off before the break. We were talking about about, um, the um, markers and that we're constantly taught in the school system to strive, strive, strive. And I wanted to, um, I think you wanted to a valid point. I don't think that we are taught how to solve emotional problems um, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably why we get to be adults and we struggle we flounder we falter we can't find our way because you know we know I'm supposed to package this thing up and be happy about it but nobody's taught me how I'm supposed to do that 
Yeah, that's a, such a good point. We yeah. don't have a lot of training, if any, in um, in sort of learning how we feel and learning how that um, how to follow how we feel. You know, I've been listening to um, Danielle Laporte has an absolutely amazing thing called the Desire Map, and I've been listening to um, to the audio version of it, and and she talks about how we. Um, we make these to-do lists or we make these vision boards or we make our sort of bucket lists mm-hmm. of the things we want to accomplish and the things we want to do, but we don't attach to them any sense of why we want to do them, how we want to feel. So, you know, I want to get a, uh, get a promotion at my job. Well, Why? Mm-hmm. Is it because you want to feel more powerful? Is it because you want to feel more appreciated? Is it because you want to feel more freedom? You know, and when we begin to look at our lives through that prism, that perspective of how do I want to feel, our goals may start to look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I do want to feel happy. I want to feel fulfilled. And part of that sitting down and writing each night on the Miracle Journal, or at least thinking about it. I don't write every night. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's an important touchstone for me. <laughs> okay. So how do people how do people start taking notice of the kid that's chasing the dog, you know, down the street <laughs> or, you know, the old couple sitting in the park? I mean, how do you start looking at those things and saying, you know, this is this is a happy moment here? Yeah. How do people? Um, well, this gets me so excited <laughs> because it's <laughs> so easy. You know, when people, I think when people hear the idea of starting a practice, you know, starting a spiritual practice or whatever, it comes along with this idea of I have to sit down and meditate for 30 minutes a day and I have to, you know, and it <laughs> sounds kind of overwhelming. Um, and I think it can be so easy and so fun. It's as easy as putting a little alarm on your cell phone or your computer that pops up a few times a day and says, what's going right right Mm -hmm. now? What's the last thing that made me laugh? Mm -hmm. What's the last thing that made me smile? What's the last thing that made me feel good inside? It's as easy as taking those 10 seconds a few times a day to really just sink into that experience, that feeling, to remember it, but not just remember the memory, to remember the feeling. And what happens is that it may seem like those 10 seconds at a time (laughs) are sort of scattered, but what happens is if you really allow yourself to have the experience and to do it fairly consistently, they start to string together. You start to begin to notice things more consistently so that in your example, the, you know, the sweet couple on the park bench, it's not, at first it may be that you only really notice them in retrospect Mm -hmm. when, you know, you may only really think about them when your alarm goes off and think, oh, you know, that was really sweet. I really enjoyed seeing them after doing it for a couple of weeks. Maybe you actually notice them at the moment that you see them and you allow yourself to think, oh, isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. I remember that feeling. Um, It's that it it really can be so easy to start and the the little moments, they really do begin to string together and create a different mindset. I go through my days. And let me tell you how different this is from where I was a few years ago, for five years ago. I go through my days now thinking, are you my miracle? Mm. <laughs> you know, every conversation, every, um, you know, I go to the gas station and I fill up and I think, I wonder if I'm going to see somebody here who's my miracle. I uh-huh. sit down at my computer and I'm, you know, reading through my Facebook messages. I wonder if there's something here that's going to be my miracle. That has become my mindset. 
Okay, okay. And I, I want to say, uh, give some disclaimer. Now, the next point that you mentioned, the audience is not going to be too happy with, but you say that sometimes miracles are not always happy-go-lucky things. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the truth. We live in the real world, <laughs> you know? And the real world, sometimes it's sunny and sometimes it rains. And sometimes mm-hmm. there are hurricanes. We, I think that, um, you know, you can look to the natural world for a lot of, um, a lot of markers about how things really work. And if the, if it were sunny all of the time, the flowers would die mm-hmm. because they need the rain. So here's the thing. We have those difficult experiences, whether we should, whether we shouldn't, how they come, whether we manifest, I don't care. Mm-hmm. The fact is, we have them. Mm-hmm. And the point is to take as much away from them as we can. Yeah, I was saying this to a friend the other day, because she was going through a hard time. I said, why waste a good crisis? <laughs> and, you know, it's true. Why not get something from it? I think it's so important mm-hmm. to feel the anger, to feel the hurt, to feel the sadness, whatever it is in that moment. You know what kept me in depression for those 20 years? Mm. Refusing to feel the anger. Refusing Mm. to feel the hurt that Mm. I had from my experiences with my dad as a kid. As as long as I pushed them away, as long as I denied them, as long as I pretended that I could get by without handling it, that's what kept me in depression and what got me out of depression. And I had a chemical imbalance. I don't want to um, bypass that. I needed the medication. But what helped me to move out of the depression and into real life, into this joyful living, Mm-hmm. is that I started to really feel the feelings. I allowed myself to go there with a good coach. Um, and I began in really seeing them and really feeling them, I began to see the lessons and even the miracles. So, for example, um, you know, my dad was we never had a lot of money growing up. We had enough for the necessities, but not more. But every once in a while, my dad would get some extra money. And he would always be telling me, no, you know, we don't have money to get you this thing you want. And then I went to private school, and I was there on a, on a scholarship, but they still had to pay something. And he would get these little bits of extra money, and then he would say to me, we don't have enough money for your tuition. And in the meantime, he had taken that extra money and he had gone out and gotten a new electric keyboard for himself or he had gotten, mm-hmm. you know, a new set of speakers or whatever. He he would get these toys, basically. And I got so angry. Mm-hmm. Why am I not more important than your toys? Why mm-hmm. is my schooling and my tuition not important enough to you? It wasn't until I started looking at life in this new way that I began to understand my father was so tortured, so Mm -hmm. deeply unhappy, that it was those quote-unquote toys that I think kept him alive. Mm -hmm. It was those things that he brought into his world. He would sit down at the piano each night and play, and yes, he would drink, and it would you know, that was hard, but I think it was those moments that kept him with us. I think it's very possible without those moments that he could have taken his own life. And mm-hmm. so in doing those things that I was so angry about, Daddy, why am I not more important? Mm-hmm. In fact, maybe I was important enough for him to stay alive and to do everything he had to to stay alive. That is a miracle. And I couldn't see it until I allowed myself to really feel the anger and get really upset and really feel the hurt. Okay, understood. So we're going to take our last break, but when I come back, I want to talk more about um, this anger and being upset, but also being a part of the miracle. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Leah Carey right after this. 
You're listening to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. I am talking with Leah Carey of the Miracle Journal. Uh, before the break, we were discussing uh, her father. And I want to um, ask, because you were mentioning that, even as we're starting to appreciate the miracles in life, possibly um, your your dad's struggles and the things that he were doing, it allowed him to have the miracle of life. So I want to know, is it okay as we develop this new mindset to say, you know what, I am angry, I am frustrated, today was really the crappiest day I have ever had, or is that defeating our new mentality that we're supposed to be developing as we're appreciating the miracles in life? You know what? I still have crappy days. <laughs> I, I've been doing this for two and a half years now. You know, I am the miracle girl, and I still have days when I just want to crawl under a rock and cry. And it's okay the, because it's real. You know, mm-hmm. and I think we spend so much time trying to deny what's real because we think mm-hmm. it's not spiritual enough. Well, what's really spiritual is... And what's really healthy is to be really um, aware of where we are. And the thing is that when we are aware and when we acknowledge it and we say, this is where I am and I'm okay with that, it passes so much more quickly than when we try to deny it. Like I said, I spent 20 years in depression because I was trying to deny how angry and hurt I was. I finally was willing to talk about it and acknowledge it. And I'm not going to say it all went away. I mean, I still have stuff, and I probably always will. That's the process of being human. Mm-hmm. But it was when I was willing to acknowledge it that things started to fall away. Now, I still have hard days. Right now, my computer is sitting in the other room unresponsive, and it is in that <laughs> way for three days, and I am crawling out of my skin because that computer is my career. <laughs> you know, yeah. everything is in it. Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend to you that I'm okay with that. I am not okay with that. Just, just a little bit of stress. Just a little bit of stress. I'm stressed out about it. But it doesn't change who I am on the inside. It doesn't, cha- it doesn't take over my whole life. You know, mm-hmm. I can still sit here on the phone with you and be okay, even though in the other room, when I walk in there, I know that I'm going to be faced again with the computer that's not working. And on the other side of that, when it finally does start working, because I am bound and determined that that thing is going to start working again, when it does, I will have learned something. I don't know yet what it's going to be, but I will. And if I were to just sit in here, and you know, to sit in this room and cry and you know, get lost in television trying to pretend that it's not happening, the computer wouldn't get fixed. Instead, mm-hmm. I am choosing to take that crazy frustration and keep working because I am stubborn. <laughs> I'm going to make that day work. So it's like, you know, I can use that anger, or that, yeah, well, sure, anger, anger, frustration to my benefit because I'm allowing myself to feel it as opposed to denying and going and getting in bed and sleeping under the covers, which is what I used to do. So, yes, so, all those things, so good to feel them because they pass so much more quickly. So good and bad, we're supposed to take something uh, and meld something positive out of every situation in life. There's something that can come positive out of the good and the bad. Well, yes, I believe there is. Now, I I would not want someone to hear this and think, well, you have no idea what I've been through, and so you can't tell me that there's good in it, so I'm not going to listen at all. It takes time. Sometimes the really deep hurts take time. The the little stuff, the computer, yes, it's an annoyance right now, but as soon as it starts working again, I'll be past it, I'll move on, and I'll probably be able to find the lesson or whatever in a few days. The deep hurts from my childhood take mm-hmm. years. I'm, I am very much still in the process of uncovering those and learning those and chronicling them on the Miracle Journal. You know, there are some miracles that are happy-go-lucky, you know, that, oh my gosh, uh, a check arrived in the mail today that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. You know, the really obvious mm-hmm. stuff. 
But then there are sometimes the miracles that are about looking at my life and seeing things differently through the perspective of time. Gotcha. Now, you mentioned the Miracle Journal, and, you know, I've been on your website and I've read quite a few of them. Um, you're very, even in this conversation, you're very open, you're very honest, you're very transparent. Is, is that part of your healing process or, you know, um, it's, it's very easy to do to be so sharing? Mm. Yeah, you know, I am sort of by nature a very, a very open person. I always have been um, sort of self-revelatory. And <laughs> I, I can't stand, I, I, I figured out at some point that I was actually meant to be a teacher because I can't stand to learn something and not share it with someone else. Yeah, okay. so, so when I, you know, that is, that's just my way of being. Um, certainly I am more... Um, emotionally vulnerable on the Miracle Journal than most people would be comfortable with. And mm-hmm. I, again, I wouldn't want anybody to take that and, and compare themselves to it and say, this is how I need to be in order to do this work, because it's not true. Um, mm-hmm. My belief is that as a teacher, it's my job to stand as a demonstration. And so I will stand and do my work publicly and be as open and vulnerable as I can about it because then that helps other people not only to see how it's done, but also to feel like they have the permission to do it themselves. Wonderful, wonderful. And also um, on the website, uh, I see you talking about you have a book in the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give me some more information about that? Or Yeah, yeah. I am working on a book. Um, <laughs> and the book... <laughs> Is it's still very much in development. Um, I I hope to be able to come back to you at the beginning of next year and share the <laughs> share that it has been published and released. Um, but it's going to be a lot about this idea of taking the difficult days. Um, I I call them the stinky piles of poo. <laughs> you walk into your living room and you discover that your cat ha- or your dog has left you a stinky pile of poo. Now what are you going to do about it? Um, uh-huh. Taking that idea and and really learning how to work with those things and finding the miracles and and figuring out not just what are the miracles, but how do you find them? How do you go through that process of, of looking and digging until you, you know, sort of like um, going into the coal mines and coming out with diamonds? Mm-hmm. That's a now, metaphor I really like. I, I read that even the process of getting this book out there has been part of your miracle journey because it's brought some frustration to you some long, mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Um, I put together a book proposal that I sent into Hay House Publishing, which is sort of the big dog in the personal development field, um, and was part of a program where a very small number of people get um, their proposals get looked at by the CEO of the company, which is pretty unheard of. Um, and I was I was feeling pretty good about myself, you know. <laughs> I had sent it in and I was sort of puffing up my chest a little bit. Still, you know, feeling mm-hmm. nervous, of course, because it's a contest, but feeling like, yeah, I did a good job. Yeah. And, and, um, and a few weeks ago, I found out that I didn't get the contract. And um, it stung. It was one of those hard days. Um, mm-hmm. I... I will freely admit that I sat down and I cried for a little while. But what I learned was that after I gave myself a little crying time, um, <laughs> you know, in the next day or two, I realized I am absolutely capable of doing this book on my own. I am True. absolutely capable of writing it and publishing and distributing and making it a success because I have all of the resources I need within myself. That was a huge turnabout from how I would have looked at it a couple of years ago. So in this case, once again, what we were speaking about earlier, the miracle is the, the rejection or the denial because now you're going to prove to yourself just how capable and competent you are and that becomes the miracle? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say that the miracle is the rejection and the denial. I would say that the miracle is what I learned from the rejection and the denial. The rejection 
stings. <laughs> it I'm not going to say that that's a nice thing. But what I gained from it on an internal level, that's the miracle. I'm not going to pretend, I am not going to blow pretty sunshine up anywhere and it's not supposed to be for anybody and tell them that the hard stuff is not hard and that it doesn't hurt, but we can learn something from it and we can move forward feeling more internally whole. And that's what I am always striving for. Okay. And real quickly, there I see that there was another book uh, put out, Transforming Your Body Image. What yeah. Can we get that what about Absolutely. that? Um, you can come to the miraclejournal.com. Just come to the miraclejournal.com. <laughs> read, there you the, go. <laughs> read the blog. Um, I do post a couple times a week, although right now my computer's down, so who knows when you'll see me next. <laughs> um, pray for a miracle. Um, you can also sign up for a weekly news uh, letter where I send out sort of life lessons. And there's also a link on there to my first book, which is Transforming Your Body Image, which is a 40-day guided journaling experience to feeling good about your body no matter what it looks like, feeling good on the inside so that then you can begin to transform the outside from a healthier place. Okay. Wow. Well, as usual, these hours just go way too quick for me. I am once again, once again, I am out of time. I'm going to have to figure out. This is going to be my miracle. How to make a, an hour and a half fit into an hour? I think that's. I if love I can, it. <laughs> that's going to be my personal miracle. But uh, I, I t- have been speaking with Leah Carey of the Miracle Journal today. I have learned that uh, I've been overlooking some of the good stuff that's been happening to me, and I tend to be a pretty op- optimistic person. So um, you can bet. I'll be focusing on that. You can get more pointers from Leah by visiting her website at themiraclejournal.com and check out what she's up to and blogging about. Leah, it has truly been a pleasure spending time with you today. I suppose I can say you have been one of my miracles for the day. Oh, Lana, thank you so much. It has been my pleasure, and you have been one of my miracles today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Ree. That's all for this week. 